Amen, amen. Amen, fam. What's up? Wow. I'm sorry I have to preach. We should just pray and go home. Thank you. You messed it up for everybody. Now I'm going to keep on. Amen, amen. Anybody excited about the word this morning? If you're not excited already this morning, we got to call 911. You're probably dead. Here's the quote. Here's the quote this morning. Come on up, Rich. Wow. Whether or not you have children yourself, you are a parent to the next generation. If we can stop thinking of children as individual property and see them as the next generation, then we would realize we all have a role to play. Amen. Amen. I know you just made yourselves comfortable, but can we just stand for a moment for the reading of the Word this morning? Good morning, church. I apologize if I haven't uh, greeted you when I've been up here. Um, sometimes I become so sensitive in allowing the pastor to have enough time to deliver his message that um, I don't take time to greet you. So I greet you. And I'm going to be greeting. Um, greeting. Whoa. <laughs> I will be reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19. And it follows, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew, in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. The next one, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. So, Whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks, or to the church of God. Just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. Amen. 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 So chapter 9 ends with, I became all things to all people that I might save some. And chapter 10 ends with, I try to please everyone in everything that I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. 
see, Paul is showing us as we study through 1 Corinthians, Paul is showing us that he has a passion for other people. Amen? And, and so, to, to quote a poet from our time, Bruno Mars, <laughs> Paul is in essence saying, I'll catch a grenade for you. <laughs> And so, so I, I want to teach you today how to catch a grenade, amen? As, as, I want you to see as we go through 1 Corinthians how although Paul brings teaching through his letters, at times he brings correction, at other times he brings rebuke, but always, always he seems to come back to his passion, to his desire, which if you really look through the scriptures is God's desire. That others might know God and be saved from an eternity without Him. Right? The Word of God says that it's, God, it's God's will that none should perish. So Paul says, I've become all things to all people that I might save some. That some people might be saved. Amen? Now listen, I know that that is a hard term. The, 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 the thought of, of, you know, some people being saved and some people not being saved or unsaved, right? And that's a harsh kind of way to put it. And, and the truth is, many progressive and modern churches, they won't use that terminology anymore. They, you know, because it seems so harsh, it seems kind of exclusionary or elitist, right? And so we don't want to tell people that may be visiting, listen, you need to be saved, or, or we don't want to express to them that, you know, we're saved and maybe you're not saved unless, you know, you turn to God and believe in, the, in faith that you can be saved. And I'll confess to you, I, I've fallen into that trap from time to time. Uh, a lot of times when Mark gets up here, and, and that's something Mark will always say in his prayers, and when he says, and you know, if you're unsaved and you're saved, sometimes I cringe and I go, ay, ay. This, and, 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 I, and I would think, man, there's got to be kind of, you know, we got to be a little more sensitive to people. You know, I, I, maybe, you know, a little more sensitive and, and tell people, and tell people, you got to get saved. You know, you might, we figure like we might turn people off with that kind of uh, terminology, right? But my struggle is this, the more I study the Word, the more I get into the Scriptures, the more I'm reminded of why I need a Savior. Amen? It, I mean, why call him Savior if all we need is a life coach? And that's what many people have reduced Christ to, a coach. And, and listen, the danger facing the American church today is that we, we, we have the right heart. We want to come alongside people. We want to come alongside families. And we want to coach them so that they could be nice people. So that they could be good, moral people. So that they could have nice lives. But what we're doing is coaching them into conformity. And what we do is coach people so that they can be comfortable right where they are. And if all we needed was a life coach, then, then listen, God didn't have to send His Son. If all we needed was a life coach, God could have sent more mentors and teachers. God would have sent more apostles. God would have sent more Pauls for our Timothys. God would have sent more Barnabases, people that were encouragers, right? He would have, God could have sent more mentors and fathers, but from what I understand from digging into the Holy Scriptures and from history, it, it seems that after God taught us through Adam and taught us through Israel about the law and how, how we had to have a sacrifice to cover our sins, it seems that after He taught us all of that, 
God sent a man to die. And not just any man, but a spotless lamb that met every requirement perfectly. As the ultimate and complete sacrifice needed to save us from eternity and and from an eternity apart from Him. He sent us a Savior so that we might be saved. And so I'm sorry if that's not sensitive. And, and trust me, we're working and talking as a church to try to be all things to all people. But if the church won't tell people the truth, where are they going to learn it? From Oprah? <laughs> the ultimate goal, family, is not to make people nice. Believe it or not, did you, did you know that? The ultimate goal of the church is not to keep people from cursing, drinking, or having premarital sex. How do we become like a, a boot camp, a rule book place, you know? The ultimate goal. Because listen, ultimately, if you think that all you need is some kind of coach, then you think you can actually be good enough without God. You think you can actually make it to heaven without God. See, it, there's a difference. Teams like the Giants, they need a coach. Why? Because they can actually accomplish what they're set out to do. Amen? So all they need is a coach to, to guide them and shape them. We, we can't get to heaven without God. We can't be saved without a Savior. Amen? Because the worst is the wages of sin is death. We don't need to be coached. We need to be saved. We don't need good advice. We need a sacrifice. We don't need directions. We need to be delivered. Come on, that's good preaching. So, all through Paul's letters, and as we're seeing them, we're, we're going to see teaching and exaltation and rebuke and correction. And, and the truth is, the church back then really needed it. And so do we. Anybody? Because if you don't need it, you're in the wrong place this morning. So, listen, as progressive and as relevant as we want to be as a church, and, and trust me, we're doing some crazy things. There's a platform project that we got going on right now. The lighting's going to change. We got these plasma screens that are going to get thrown up. We got plasma screens going to go around. And, and let me just say something real quick. We, we didn't buy them any of that. <laughs> okay, just, I don't want to get up here and have them take an offering for the building. And then you're saying, my brother's buying plasma screens. No. We got plasma screens sitting there. We got donated for totally free. Amen? Because that's how we roll. So, so anyway, as, as progressive and relevant as we want to be, we're, we, if you might have noticed, we're actually going back to some old traditions lately. Right? Because not all traditions are bad. There's a problem with the modern church. We want to be so modern. We think everything is from the old school is bad. But it's, it's not all traditions are bad, right? And so you might have noticed the last couple of weeks we've had Rich come up and just read the word over you. That's an old school tradition. Right? Because, because now in our churches now, we don't, nobody wants to read the word because, you know, if somebody says, oh, I'm going to read the word, people are like, oh, sleep time. You know? But, but we have to learn because we believe that the word was, re- was made to read over people. And so we're going back to some old traditions. Amen? 
Because, listen, why I, I love to, I'm a storyteller. I love to tell you stories. I love to read the stories in the Word, and I love to, to tell you the stories, and I, I try to make them entertaining, and, you know, to help you understand them, and, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But there's nothing like the spoken Word spoken over God's people. And I do believe, as good as I think I might be, I do believe that more can happen through just reading Scripture over you than anything I can bring to you. Amen? So let's get into the Word and stop talking about it. So Paul starts chapter 11 with this. And, and most scholars and, and, and commentators, they believe that this sentence from chapter 11, 1 is supposed to belong at, at the end of chapter 10. And just in case, you, you know, so you know, Paul didn't write chapter 11, 12, 13. Those, these were all letters, right? We added the chapters and the numbers later to be able to reference and to be able to understand. So the Bible wasn't written in these chapters the way we have it today. Okay, so, so a lot of scholars believe that the, 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 the first sentence of, of chapter 11 belongs at the end, but it doesn't matter because it's such a universal statement, I believe it fits anywhere in his letter. I'll read it to you from the Amplified, it says this, 11.1, 1 Corinthians, Pattern yourselves after me, Paul says. Follow my example as I imitate and follow Christ, the Messiah. Paul is saying, follow me as I follow him. Now, that's such a small statement, but it has such a grand purpose. And if you've been here long enough, you know I preach entire messages on this. I love this. Because to me, it's such a powerful statement for a regular man to make. If you read that in your Bibles, you'll notice that it's not in red. Right? This is not something Jesus said. This is Paul. Just Paul. Saying, follow me. As I follow Christ, I'll be your example, and as long as I'm following Christ, you can follow me. This is just not the words of Christ, this is a regular man. This is the same guy who, before he got saved, was persecuting Christians. This is the same guy who, he was a religious gangster. He was having, having Christians whacked. Read your word. Right? He was having Christians whacked. He was gangster. He was, he was, this is the man who made mistakes in his life. This is a man who, ha- who probably has some regrets. This is a man who's had some history that he might not be too proud of. When, when Paul first started preaching, the word tells him people were scared of him. He would come preaching and people would say, Whoa, isn't that the guy that used to kill Christians? <laughs> people were scared of him when he first started preaching. Can anybody relate to Paul for a minute? Can anybody say like, you know, like when you tell people you're a Christian now and they look at you like, come come on, puppy. Come on, puppy. I knew you when. Right? Anybody, anybody, right? People, people see you walking down the street and they expect the old dude, oh, what's up, my man, And you're like, that's not me no more, puppy. Right? That's not me no more. Manita, that's not me. Right? So, so Paul was one of those. That's why I, I love, I relate to Paul so much. So, so why would Paul do this? Why would Paul say something like this? Maybe Christianity got to his head. Maybe he thinks now he's so good or, you know, he's saying, you, if you could be like me. No, no. Listen to what he, I don't, I don't see Paul like that. Notice he says, follow me and I follow him. What does that mean? If I'm not following him, you better get away, get away from me. I'm a lunatic. 
Amen? The second you see me not following him, you better leave me alone. That means I've lost my mind by, at this point, right? But as long as I'm following him, I'm going to give you a road map. I'm going to be your map quest. I'm going to be your GPS. I'm going to be your Google search, right? As long as I'm following him, you can follow me and, and make the turns that I make and then follow the paths that I, that I follow and say the things that I say and go to places that I go as long as I'm following him. Amen? Now, one thing we have to keep in mind, the people that he's talking to, this church in Corinth, they were made up of Jews and Greeks and they didn't grow up in Christian homes. They, they, they didn't hear Bible stories as kids. They didn't have what these kids have in children's church where they, they hear the word and they, they, they didn't have any of that. Why? These, these Christians, they didn't even have a full Bible yet. Did you know that? They didn't even have the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. All this church had, it was a brand new church. All they had was what they've heard so far about Jesus. And they decided they want to follow Him anyway. So they didn't have all of this teaching, you know. And so, so you know, they didn't even have that full Bible yet. And so Paul understood the best way to point these new Christians to Christ was to point them to a Christian who was living it out. Oh, come on, that should have gotten a couple more amens. Do you know that that's still the best way? That's still the best way? The best way is not bringing people to church. The best way is not, you know, giving them, buying them a tape of a message you want them to hear. The best way is not buying them Christian music. The best way, the best way is to give them somebody to follow. Give people somebody they can trust, that's real, that's not phony, that's, that, that keeps it real, that keeps it, you know, who they are. And, and give them someone they follow. And, and somebody that when they trip, they say, oh, Papa, see what happened there? I'm sorry about that. That was wrong. But I'm back up, man. And I'm going to keep going. So come on. Come on. Somebody that, that they can follow. That's still the best way. Amen. Paul lived among them. He didn't just come in as an evangelist, throw a tent meeting and break out. He lived with them for two years as he planted this church. So he, he let them, he, he let them watch. He built relationships with them. These people have now watched Paul live his life on the day to day. They saw how he acted on the regular. They watched him at work. They heard what, what he said when he hit his finger with the hammer. He was a tent, tent builder, right? So they heard, I do. <laughs> They, they watched him at work. They, 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 they saw how he reacted when his camel got a flat tire. They, they saw, you, you understand? They, they watched how, they watched him make decisions. They saw how he would get beat up when, and arrested for, for p- telling people about the truth. And they saw how he acted in prison. What? Paul's an ex-con. Paul's in prison and people in prison watched him the way he acted in prison while he was locked up. Not locked up for doing stupid things that we do. He was locked up for preaching the truth in the first place. But even in prison, they watched him. How many of you know he had more reason than we do to be locked up in prison and start complaining and talking, you know, all this there about God? Because he didn't do nothing wrong to get into prison. Except go against the, the, the culture, amen? So, so Paul, it, it, Paul, Paul says, just watch me. He, he decided, I'll live my life in a way that you can see everything. 
And that means that, you know, some of you are going to see what... My my goal is that you would see what I've experienced that changed my life. Oh, man. That you would watch me so that you can see that this is real. So, as we continue on in this letter from Paul to the Corinthians, understand that he was teaching them. Right? And a lot of the things that we're going to read were actually answers. They would send him letters and he would, you know, with questions. Can a Christian do this? Can a Christian do that? Can we do this? Is, is this okay? And so, Paul, a lot of these things that Paul is answering back to him. Like, we dealt with in the last chapter, they were asking, can we eat meat sacrificed to idols? And Paul said, yeah, you can eat that meat, but don't eat it in public with them. Don't sit with them and have fellowship with them. You can buy the cheap penil, but eat it at home. Don't eat it in the temple restaurant where they're idols sacrificing to idols. Take it and eat it at home because an idol is nothing. It doesn't matter. But if you, if you eat it in their restaurants, if you eat it with their feast, your brother might see you and he might get tripped up. And he might say, whoa, I thought this guy was a Christian. He's over there worshiping penil sandwiches to, to, to whatever, right? And so, so Paul said, that's not the issue, but, but if you're going to do it in front of and cause your brother to... Tr- it's not worth it. Don't eat it. It's, eat a carrot or something. He's saying, it's not worth it. See, that's how you catch a grenade. That's how you catch a grenade for someone. You say, well, you know what? You're more important than my freedom. I'm free to eat this stuff. I'm free. I'm free to do these things. But if it's going to trip you up, listen, I'm free to have a glass of wine with my dinner. But if it's going to trip you up, if it's going to make you stumble, I'll do it in private. I won't do it with you. You understand? That's how you catch a grenade. So see, what, what I want us to see is that God still works the same way today as He did with Paul. With Christians who are willing to live their lives in front of people. What does that mean? Watch my work. Watch my play. This one's going to hurt. Ready? Watch my Facebook. I don't know what some of you are thinking. <laughs> let, me, let me pause for a minute. Let me step over here. This, this is George, your friend. I don't know what some of you are thinking. Do you know that I see that everybody sees what you put up? Do you know that like we don't have filters that I only see when you put up scriptures? <laughs> but then like that same day in the afternoon when you put... No, F-bomb this and F-bomb that and mother boot. And tomorrow, God's grace is mercy, is goodness. And Psalm 32, Psalm 86. I, I don't want to read your Psalms. You're dropping F-bombs the rest of the week. I let the job, please. All right. Let me, let me step back into pastor mode. So, so from people, you know, God still works. He said, watch, watch me. Listen, watch me with my wife. Watch me with my wife. Watch the way I treat my wife. Watch me with my kids. Watch me with my friends. People that say, listen, watch me when I'm encouraged and when I'm successfully taking the world by storm. And then watch me when my world comes crashing down and all I have left is my faith. Watch me when I'm in good health, when everything is good and everything is strong. And then, and then watch me in my sickness. Because sometimes Christians get sick. 
And sometimes we pray and sometimes God heals. And sometimes we pray and sometimes God doesn't heal. And I don't have an answer for that for you. So watch me when I'm healthy and, and watch how I deal with sickness. Watch me. Amen? See, we have to show people that, that God didn't promise to, to keep me healthy. God didn't promise to keep me wealthy. God didn't promise to keep me strong. He just promised to keep me. Amen. Come on, take that. And that is what the church is supposed to look like. If we can't look like that here, I regret ever planting this church. Because the world does not need more churches so they can pick and choose and, and you know, get angry at the deacon in one and get angry at the usher in another and, and keep picking and choosing and going to different churches. The, the world doesn't need more churches. The world needs more people willing to live their lives as examples that lead people not toward any church but to a right relationship with God. People who are willing to lay aside their own rights and freedoms in order that their path can be followable. People willing to catch grenades for people. Man. So now here in chapter 11, it seems like they've, they've asked some questions about the roles of men and women in the church. Get ready, hold on. And so we're going to read what he says to them about that. <laughs> So in, in chapter 11, starting in 2 to, to 16, Paul is dealing with the issue of proper attitudes and conduct during worship services. Uh-oh. See, some of the issues that they were having and asking about, they were cultural issues. And so we have to understand that, meaning because of the time and, and the people who were involved and the mixing of these different cultures, right? But what Paul was teaching them applies to us today. I hate to tell you that. <laughs> it applies to us today that, that we should show respect and reverence in our services together. Amen. So I'll, I'll quote the life application commentary that I read on this, the only one that gave me any kind of joy. If a believer's actions offend members and could divide the church, then the believer should change his or her ways to promote unity in the body. Um, uh, you got to really get this. If, if the things that you do are, are causing issues and, and the things that you say and the, th the way that you believe, let's put it that way. If, it, if it's causing division and groups and separation, then, then stop it. Amen? You don't even have to be wrong. This is hard preaching. You don't even have to be wrong. But if it's causing problems, stop it. Shut your mouth. Amen? And bring unity to the body. That's how you catch a grenade. So apparently the issue of head coverings during worship came up. Remember in that culture, there was a lot of Jews always wore head coverings. Um, the, the, the Israel, you know, there was, there was a lot of the Greeks, there were the long hair, short hair, and so these issues came up. And so if you, if you just picked up 1 Corinthians 11 and read that today, you'd be like, whoa, pastor got long hair, I can't go there no more. Whoa, nobody, none of the women are wearing head coverings in church. That church is, is out of God's will. And so you, you have to really dig in and understand, right? So apparently the issue of head coverings during worship came up. And so what did Paul do? Paul told the women who weren't wearing head coverings to wear them. 
Not because of any scriptural command, because we can't find any, but because it kept people from dividing over a stupid issue and taking the focus off of Christ. That's how you catch a grenade. I'll give you a modern day example. Pastor Gary ministers at a lot of different places. He's off today ministering at another church. A lot of times he'll take people from these teams, right? And he'll, he'll take a worship team from here. And, he'll, and what does what, what is, what is Pastor G tell you when he takes you out of here? Women, please, depending on where he's going. Right? you got to be sensitive to where he's going. So if he's going to a Rahatabla church someplace, he tells women, please, skirts. Not minis either, you know. Skirts. Women, please, the ones that are coming with me, ease up on the makeup for this, for this trip. Please, no big dangling earrings. Why? Because the earrings are wrong, because the things are wrong, because this is not a sinful? No. No, but because if, if, if it's going to divide and distract people from focusing on what matters, then you're wrong. Right? I mean, let's, let's, let's really, you know, if we take one of our worship team members in their skinny jeans, <laughs> rocking saggy hats, wearing a t-shirt that shows his tattoos, that would be the equivalent of dropping a live grenade in one of those sanctuaries. <laughs> and the truth is, frag out, definitely. And the truth is, the, the very glory of God could fall in that place in a Shekinah manifest glory with angels hovering over the worship team. And... And it won't matter because the deacons and ushers will be in the back saying, Dude, do you believe this guy? Do you? Uh, Ave Maria. Pero como? Como ese señor puede subir para allá arriba? Con una, con un gorro. Como, como, como. And you, you understand? We separate and, and, we'll, and, and God could move mightily, but nobody there is going to accept it. So is it wrong for him to express his freedom in Christ? Because you know how we roll here. To, to us, God sees our heart. God sees the passion. And God could care less about our pants. So is it wrong? Paul says, yes, it's wrong. They want you to wear head coverings. Put a gorro on. For the sake of your brother, take off your hat when you worship. Because there's somebody in the church that's not going to be able to work, let you lead him in worship because you got to fit it on. Even if it's their favorite team. They could care less. They said, that doesn't belong on the altar of God. That is being all things to all people. That is how you catch a grenade. Amen? So apparently at Corinth, they, they might have adopted some things from that culture that might have blurred the lines between the roles of men and women. They were probably having some issues regarding the length of hair and hairstyles. Men with long hair, women with short hair. And, and women with shaved, real, real tight shaved hair. And, and see, you have to understand, in that culture also, they were temple prostitutes. They were shrine prostitutes. And, and the, the shrine prostitutes could have looked a certain way. And so now, if the believers see women in the church looking like the shrine prostitute, that's a major distraction. Right? Major distraction. I'm coming to service to get my praise on, and there's six prostitutes leading worship. You understand? Are they really prostitutes? No, but they're women with short hair. Ay, ay, ay. 
Or they're, they're saying there was custom back there that men used to wear long hair adorned. I don't know what that means. I don't even want to get into it. It was a cultural thing, but it offended people. So he said, in the church, I, that, that shouldn't happen. Amen? And so, so Paul begins to, to answer these questions and deal with these issues by laying down some general principles on how relationships should be regarded in the church. Ready? And we can read it in chapter 11. He says, the head of every man is Christ. And the head of every woman is man. Ay, ay, ay. And the head of Christ is God. So Paul puts this, this distinction out, right? And so the word translated head of means not only authority, but, but source. So the source of every man is Christ. Christ was there from the creation. The word says he, he was the source. And then the source of every of, of woman was man, right? Because God took a rib out of Adam and made... So the source of every woman is man. And so... So, so the source of man is Christ. Christ was there from the beginning, right? And, and then the source of, 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 uh, of Christ is God. The head of Christ is God showing the incarnation. It's talking about the incarnation of God into man. How man, God became man and, and go on. So the symbolism is that man should not cover his head during worship. Because God is his covering. Christ is his covering. Women should cover their heads during worship. This is what he's, he's teaching. Should cover their head, symbolizing the differentiation, if I added too many syllables there, from man and woman to differentiate. Right? So, so you know, man is, 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 is uh, women should cover their heads during worship to differentiate between men and women who was her covering. So now, while all of that is still true today, these weren't rules that were binding for the church today. And it was apparently for that church at that time, because we see later when Paul is writing to Timothy, all the women are covering their heads now. <laughs> Ease up. Tranquilo. Hold on. Let me finish. And so, so apparently because later on Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, and he doesn't tell them that women should cover their heads. Instead, with the church at Ephesus, he deals with the modesty of how they were dressing. So see, apparently Paul was dealing with each church as the issues were coming up in those churches. And so he said, if, if at Corinthians, this is going to, if at Corinth, this is going to be an issue, women wear head coverings, men don't wear head coverings. Ija punto, fino. Right? And at Ephesus, women, you're dressing like prostitutes. Stop it. I don't even worry about your headgear. You took it to another level. You, I, if I see your tongues when you're worshiping, you're a distraction. You're a distraction. Can we be real? Again, again, the focus here is the importance of showing reverence during worship. The, the importance of having unity, of being all things to all people so that we might save some. Certainly, women were free to not wear a veil during your worship as they were all free to eat meat, sacrifice to idols, but neither was, was going to be a matter regarding their salvation. But Paul wanted them to have a heart for unity, to regard others as more important. Men could wear anything they wanted on their heads, but for unity, Paul said, show reverence. Paul told them, when you're on the platform, take off the fitted. So that you're, you're not causing a distraction. That's how you catch a grenade. Amen? 
Now listen, some women don't like these passages. And so very few pastors will preach from this book. Because a big majority of the attendance of churches are women. You don't want to get the women angry. Because you'll end up with a big church with four guys. Four single guys that were just looking for women. So they're going to leave anyway to another church that has all the women. So, but I want you to see something here that's so beautiful. Women don't like these, these passages because they speak of headship and submission. And that's a curse word for women, right? Paul says, but listen to what Paul says here. Paul says, when a woman prays or prophesies, she should have a head covering on. She should wear a veil. And you can easily get caught up on the fact that women had to wear a veil and men didn't. That women had to show submission to men and men didn't. But you have to catch here. It's a, that he, he says women had to wear a veil when a woman prays in the church or when a woman prophesies in the church. The word prophesies there means preaching also. So when a woman prays or a woman preaches in the church, she should wear a veil. It's a beautiful passage of scripture for women because in a culture where women were second class citizens and had no authority at all and no place, they had no importance. Here is the apostle Paul saying, when women pray and when women prophesy. Do you catch that? It's a, he's empowering women to say you can pray, you can prophesy, you can bring the word of God to people, you can be used of God. You are mighty in Christ. Amen? Amen. Paul levels the field for us. He says in verse 11, but in relationships among the Lord's people, women are not independent of men and men are not independent of women. For although the first woman came from men, all men from that point on came from women. I expected some more women amens. Church, there are people today in our culture that, that don't know much about Christ either. Just like the, the church at Corinth. That all they know about Christ and religion is, is whatever YouTube video went viral. All they know about Christ is what they've heard on TV from some evangelist that wants them to pledge $1,000 for the first fruit offerings or to pay $1,000 for a prophetic word or just pay me money so I can pray for you. Or all they know about God is what they've learned at some overzealous church where they were beat up for not being holy enough. Where they were beat up for not having skirts. and Where they were beat up for shaving their legs and trying to keep their husbands. <laughs> and these people, they're, you know, they're looking for men and women and young people and children today that they can trust. Who are willing to lead by example. Not perfect people. Listen, relax, relax, I'm done. Worship team, come. So they can get hope. Not perfect people. Not people. I'm going to shut this whole place down. That's it. 
Everybody don't discipline on my team. The world is looking for people. Not people who have never done anything wrong. Now, just regular people who've let God be Lord in their lives. Amen? Do we have any of those people here today? Hallelujah. Listen, church, it's time for you to answer the call. Amen? It's time for people to stop coming to church and start being the church. If God has been real in your life, if God has brought change to your life, it's time that you start realizing that somebody around you is watching you. And then, instead of complaining of this or that or that, now, being careful of the steps that you take. Knowing that every step that you take, you're leading somebody. Church, try this. Look, look behind you sometimes and see who's following you. Because the chances are, if God put His, put His Spirit in you, if you ever came up here, if you ever believed, in, you don't have to be here, it could have been in your own house. If you ever just believed, God, you're the Lord of my life. God, I, I believe that you died on the cross. I, and, and I'm asking you for forgiveness of my sins that I might be saved. If you ever believed that in faith, chances are, God has chosen you. Because you're a leader. Because there are people following you. And so... It's time that we stop bringing people to the pastor. 